Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. It is Farmer Friday today. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show. It's literally my favorite day of the week because Friday's show, you just never know which direction things are going to go. We might be talking about soybeans today. We might be talking about tillage. I don't know. It's up to you. Whatever's on your mind, today's your day. It's 844-44-AG-PHD. If you would like to join the discussion or if you've got a question, you can also email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll dive into those questions from the email mailbag here in just a little bit too. All right, Brian, planting's rolling along on the farm. What are your thoughts and what are you seeing out there? Well, what I wanted to, you were just talking about, the show can go any direction. Here's the direction I wanted to start with, spraying. And it, it comes back to soybeans. Um, so in corn, for example, other than Verdict, just about every pre-emerge herbicide that you may buy for your farm, if the corn spikes, it's no big deal. You can go spray it. Triple Flex, Insurstar, Resicor, Harness, Outlook, Harness Extra. I mean, almost anything that's a pre like I say, other than Verdict or anything that contains Sharpen, um, you can spray post. The, that's not the case at all with soybeans. So we talk all the time about the three pre's. And so I just encourage you, if you have a choice today where it's, well, I can spray my corn or I can spray my beans, please spray your beans. Please spray your beans. Get the pre out there because you can't spray Metribuse in post. You can't spray the yellow post. You can't spray Valor Authority post. And if you lose those three chemistries, I mean, you might be able to control your weeds, but I don't have any guarantees for you anymore. If you get those three pre's on, you got 95% of the Roundup Ready, or I shouldn't say Roundup Ready, Roundup Resistant weeds, they're gone. They're gone before you ever even start the season, 95% of them, uh, including Palmer Pigweed, Kosha, Water Hemp, Lamb's Quarter. So uh, just get that done. That's probably the biggest thing because, yeah, I was talking to a lot of guys today. Oh, boy, we're rolling and we're planting and everything else. Well, how about your spring? Well, yeah, I'm going to get to that. I'm like, okay, it's May now. The soil's warm. The stuff's going to pop out of the ground quick. So I understand that you want to keep planting. But if, let's say, you keep planting until, oh, now it's going to rain, you're out for three days, all of a sudden the beans are up, and then what do you do? Yep, you're definitely in trouble. So we want to make sure we get all the best options out there in each of our crops. And one of the things right now that I'm watching for is early season insects as things start to warm up. Been out looking at our alfalfa, watching for alfalfa weevil larvae. But also, Brian, I'm starting to see some moths flying up out of these ditches. And you just know there's going to be some cutworms and, and other bugs out there, too. And, of course, as you're digging around, looking at your seed to see how's your seeding depth, how's your placement, all those things, watch for those little bugs in the ground, too. I've seen a lot of wireworms this year. Yeah, Stock borer is another thing when you mention moths. Uh, you'll see those right along the edge of the field. So what we do on our farm is when the corn is about V1, we go spray the field borders. I mean, just the outside, let's call it four rows. Sometimes it might be eight rows, whatever. But we're hitting it for weeds, for insects. And that has made a huge difference for us. Because just think about on your farm, where are the worst weed problems? Where are the worst insect problems? It's almost always the field borders. And here's the thing, let's be honest, everybody driving past your fields, they don't see the middle of the field where your yield might be amazing. All they see is the edges. And if you want to look like a better farmer, and quite frankly, it pays off too, 
because you get a lot of lot more bushels when you kill the weeds and the insects. Um, it, it's worth it. So consider spraying the edges at V1 corn. You know, attention to detail is really important in farming, and you do see that uh, with with some of the tillage and, and fertilizer application, those kinds of things out on the edges of the field. And certainly with weeds and those types of things in the fence line, that can be a big concern. But one other spot where we're seeing weeds going unchecked at this time of year, Brian, is out in pastures. And I know we've had a couple of questions on that during the week about controlling pasture weeds. When we get daytime highs in the 70s, nighttime lows in the 60s, if we've got a day without a whole lot of wind, we can really get a lot done out in the pasture too. Well, yeah. I, I mean, any spraying at this time of the year, you want to get ahead of stuff. So even like I'm, I was just looking at a field, dandelions starting to show up. And granted, I'm down in Nebraska and looking at that. But still, I, I mean, any weed that gets started, especially when it's a perennial weed, dandelion, quack grass, I mean, there are a whole bunch of them you got to get after them quickly. Canada thistle. I, I mean, I, I just remember from years ago, I was a young agronomist, and I'm out looking at a, at a field, and it, it was cornfield, and there was a thistle. It was just a thistle plant. And I thought, okay, no big deal. I see this thistle plant over here. And then I, as I look closer, all the corn plants around it were all stunted. All of them. They were all suffering because of that one stupid Canada thistle plant. And I just, I have never forgotten that because, one weed can affect so many plants of your good crop around that. You got to get those things under control and you have to kill them early because I was scouting because we were going to do our normal spray at call it V3, V5, whatever. I don't remember exact stage, but the point is already by that point, I knew that a whole bunch of yield damage had been done to those plants around my thistle plant. So you've got to get weeds under control early. That's why we talk so much about pre-emerge herbicides about starting clean, about having a good burn down. And yeah, you mentioned the big key. If you're spraying and it's something that you want fully your control of, you want to have the temperature warm. In other words, daytime highs in the 70s, lows at least in the 50s if you can. Otherwise, you got to bump the rate, might have to throw other adjuvants in, or you just aren't going to get the same control. Yeah, the adjuvant thing is something to think about, too, as you look at all the pasture products that you could potentially use. There are some that require an adjuvant, and there's others where it's already in the jug. So make sure you're double-checking on that in addition to looking at what kind of rate you're going to spray for various weeds. And, and just an example of that, too, is if you've got big and established perennial weeds, it's going to take the full end of the labeled rate. Whereas if you've just got one here and there that are just starting from seed and small without much of a root system, well, you can kill them at the lower end of the rate. So think about your pastures too as you're wrapping up planting or as you're out in the fields doing some spraying. It's Farmer Friday on today's program. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. 
At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Warehouse, what can we do for you? Yeah, I'm looking for some nitrogen. All right, we're running low and it's awful pricey, but uh, let me check. Hold. The answer to low supply and high prices for nitrogen is Invita, a microbe with systemic nitrogen fixation. Invita works throughout the foliage and roots, providing a right place, right time source of nitrogen to maximize yield in corn, wheat, and soybeans. Yeah, we're all out, but... You know what? I'll take some of that Invita. <laughs> That's what I was going to recommend. Book your Invita while supplies last. When you pull your side dress bar out of the shed, do you dread the time and expense of replacing worn colders and bearings? There's a better way. Hi, Greg Souter, 360 Yield Center. 360 Wide Drop for side dress bars is a quick, low-cost upgrade that cuts maintenance costs. Plus, you're likely to get a yield boost from moving nitrogen from the middle of the row to the root zone. Save time, money, and boost yield potential with 360 Wide Drop side dress. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. If you've got an agronomic question, today is your day. You can give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD to talk about it, or you can email us radio at agphd.com. Start off down in Iowa. We've got our friend Tony Wendler with Farm Shop MFG on. How you doing, Tony? I'm doing excellent today, Darren. It's a perfect day for planting. Hopefully some rain will come. Uh it's great. How's planting coming in your part of Iowa right now? What would you say percentage-wise is done? Oh, we're over half, probably, I don't know, two-thirds, three-quarters maybe. Um, I'd, I'd say probably three-quarters. You know, I'm just thinking you don't see that many fields aren't done. I know that uh, I talked with one of my neighbors. He was hoping to wrap up, uh, get everything done this weekend. And uh, I'm uh, looking to be done today. So uh, there's a, there's a few you know I'm driving right now and I'm there's not a lot I think we're getting it wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, so, that's a good thing. Well, like you say, we're ready for some rain too, and I know a couple of our fields caught a little rain last night, which was awesome. And it just I don't know how this worked out, but the fields that we had yet to plant didn't get the rain, and so we're still running today. So that's awesome. I hope hope we do catch some rain soon, but maybe we'll finish up first. Sounds like you're living right. Yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, it kind of works out that way. Uh, so, what's on your mind today, yeah. Tony? Hey, it's been I've, uh, a week where I've been multitasking with people on different stuff. I talked to uh, several farmers that uh, weren't uh, keeping up with their bins on adjusting their running their fans, getting their temperature warmed up. Got some uh, hot spots in their bins and. Uh, don't have uh, monitors in there, and then a lot of conversations on uh, closing furrows and uh, perhaps people who were uh, uh, were out there a little early did not do a good job, and now they're thinking if they got to do some replant, they want to make sure they get it right the second time. And others are just telling me the successes they're having that uh, 
germinators have been working really good. And uh, one guy was telling me how the uh, the furrow is totally destroyed, and he says just nothing but pure seed to soil contact. That's awesome. So, I've been doing a lot of digging out in yeah. our fields too, and that's that's something I would say this year there is a big difference on how you did things. And I was in a field this morning, uh, I don't know, about ten miles away from our farm. And it was some of the hardest ground that I had seen, and every field around it wasn't. And so I know that that equipment can make a big difference. Sometimes you say, well, that particular field has got a little different makeup or a little different history or something like that. But uh, you're right. Having the the right equipment can make a big, big difference. Yeah. And you, uh, I, getting everything going, I was doing a bunch of digging, uh, looking at different conditions and... uh, you know, what kind of depths am I hitting moisture? You know, with the we're still here in the northwest Iowa in the dry zone, and uh, after the tillage, the uh, moisture moved down a little bit, so uh, need to make sure we get the seeds, the moisture, things like that. And uh, there's nothing like digging to, to get it right the first time. Yeah, I, you know, here's here's an interesting thing, too, and, and this is a uh something i guess i'll leave i'll leave this conversation with this point so we've got our best operator who's been on our farm for over 30 years he is not in the cab with the planter he is behind the planter outside digging and uh, we've got a, a planter running just a half a mile from our studio right now and i was just out there a half an hour ago and where do i see mike at he's out digging and looking at what we need to adjust and coaching our other guys up about hey here's some things you could do to to uh, get this a little bit better or to do things a little bit differently and better and I, I would encourage everybody take some time outside of the cab and if you're a one-man show or one woman show I, I get it you you got to be in the cab but if not let let the young people try it give them a little bit of coaching while you can and and get it set up on your operation that you've got more than one person that can do every job uh, hey tony we're gonna let you run good luck here as you finish up planting look forward to talking to you again soon appreciate it have a great weekend thanks you Bye. bet you too let's head up north of the border We've got patrick with us up in ontario canada how you doing patrick i'm doing well darren how are you good how are you guys coming with planting uh, we are not. We are very wet and cold here. No one has done anything yet. Oh boy, yeah. It's it's amazing how it goes from too dry to too wet in a hurry. What with uh, with this particular spring, as you get into the first week of May, I know a lot of our listeners will say, "Well, wait a minute. He's in Canada. It's it should be wet and cold yet up there. Not in Ontario. And Ontario guys are usually running." Uh, as early as we are, if not even earlier. So you're a couple yep. weeks behind at this point. Oh yeah, we're a good a good week and a half to two weeks behind for sure. So everything's going to have to get done all at once, no matter whether it's fertility or, or planting corn or beans. It'll be all done at the same time now. You know, when you think about uh, corn maturities, uh, is it ninety day corn roughly that that a guy starts with there, or are you you planting later stuff than that? Uh, it really depends on the area, uh, where I live. If you go an hour south, we have heat units here. There'll be people that'll plant, you know, 3,200 heat unit to maybe 3,250. And then if you go an hour north of me, it'll be around 2,900 heat units. Uh, so it really varies with really within an hour, hour drive of my home farm. 
All right. So being a couple weeks behind, do you still have enough cushion in there that you'll plant what you would normally plant? Or are you already talking about, hey, we're going to have to shift down a little bit? Uh, I think everybody is probably still going to stick with what they have uh, for seed now, but it won't be long though. Another, you know, if we have to wait another week, uh, there'll be some guys that'll probably, uh, you know, loosen, loosen it up a little bit to, or tighten it up to some shorter day stuff. But as of right now, though, it's not, not super late by no means yet. So, no, no, we we've definitely been a lot later than this, and we're on our farm. We're we're actually in the opposite situation. We're we're dry soils right now and rolling with the planter, but we're thinking if we don't catch some moisture here, this might not be a very good start to the year. So <laughs> at, at least you got some moisture. I guess you're going to find a positive that once we finally can get yep. in there, uh, at least uh, we know it'll take off. Yep, Brian. Actually, I have one question for you. Sure. Um, the old uh, the old myth the dry versus liquid fertilizer on a on a planter. Uh, I've been hiring my planting out, and it's dry fertilizer, which in this three to four cc soil seems to be working pretty good. Um, I was just looking for suggestions on two by two liquid. Is uh, like is that? good to you is that okay to use in, in a light soil like that or you know if you're if you're in a two by two so it's at least got some distance from the seed yeah a guy could do that i don't think i'd go too crazy on the rates that you were doing but you definitely uh-huh. can just just because it's soybeans and corn we'd say yeah do whatever you want uh oh you, yeah that'll be for corn no no like that that'd be for corn so okay. two any two by two liquid should be be okay because i have seen people in the past on super light soil where the corn actually will kind of turn white and i'm assuming that is from some kind of fertilizer burn or something like that it sure could be uh the best thing would do would be to dig up roots a little bit now if you're going to very tremendously from what you've done in the past we always recommend let's start slow let's pick a yeah. field or two and and leave a couple check strips and see before we do the whole operation that way. But yeah, we don't have any soils that are three or four CEC. So I can't say with firsthand experience that, that we've done that, but uh, we've got some that are maybe down around nine or 10, but that that would probably be heavy for where you're at. But for us, that's our lighter stuff. And and we're still fine in a two by two, but um, three or four CEC, I'd walk before I ran. I know there's a lot of guys that do it. There's a lot of guys that put, 20 gallons out there in, in two by two off to the side. But uh, the, the other thing is, is it putting it on one side or putting it on both sides? It'd be on one side most okay. likely. And that's one of the things that I know some of the guys have done in really light soil is, is put it on both sides. And, and I realize mm-hmm. you, you'd have to set up the equipment to be able to handle that, but just to spread the risk a little bit more. Well, Hey Patrick, okay. we're up against a break here. We're going to let you run, yep. but good luck to you guys. Hopefully it dries out soon. Thanks. Yeah, it's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. 
It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. <laughs> we feel heaven Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. If you have an agronomic topic you'd like to discuss, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head out to Colorado. Got Dusty with us right now. How's it going, Dusty? Good, Darren. How are you? Good. What are you working on today? Oh, we're sorting test plot seed, trying to figure out what the right combination is. <laughs> Excellent. Is it all from one company or is it multiple companies? Uh, I would say that uh, the majority of guys here in the neighborhood are probably two brand okay. farmers. Yep. There's a few that, that swing one way, um, but I it, it's it's seeming to be that more people in this community have have come to realize that maybe if you're planting all one company's products that you're you might be missing the boat a little bit somewhere else 
Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So how do you do this when you're putting the test plot? Do you try to sort by company or do you sort by maturity and try and match them up? I, I like to put it in by maturity um, and just let the brands compete side by side. That way we got 105-day corn next to 105-day corn and, you know, 100 next to 100 and you don't have one brand on one end of the plot and one end one brand on the other end of the plot. And when you do that, then it always seems like somebody gets the better side of the plot. I totally so agree. Plant it by maturity. If we just plant it by maturities, then I think that eliminates some of that. Yep, I I agree so that the, the other the thing it does is on one side get the good end, and the long days on the other <laughs> side they both get the bad end, and and I you know it just is what it is. I, I like it, Dusty. I think I think it also sorts out the liars because somebody's going to say, yep, it's 105-day corn. It's really 110. And then you can see, hey, how come they aren't even close to tasseling yet? What's going on here? That's kind of fun, too. Well, that, that's the biggest thing when you're really trying to study, you know, from, say, like a uh, – we'll use a Pioneer brand to, say, a Channel brand. You know, the way they classify their corn is just so different that if you – put 104 day corn from both of them in the same field that they're just not going to mature the same. And I think that's the big thing that we all just got to get down to figuring out which one's flower early, which one's flower late, how they finish, try to get them matched up. I think that's the biggest struggle that farmers in our community have when, you know, when they want to try something new, but they, next thing you know, they have to leave the field because they couldn't harvest it all at one time. And then it becomes just, it's not as it's not as enjoyable to look at that data because it all just didn't happen at once. And then, you know, there's a bad taste in the mouth because all oh, this was too dry or this was too wet. Yep. Yep. I agree with you. It's it's tough and there's no standardized system and there probably never will be. But it, it's it's uh, the ratings are different. And then the other thing is the GDUs from one year to the next are slightly different. And my brother always says it this way. He's like, yeah, yeah, you can say your high was 86 today, but was it 86 at eight in the morning? It was 86 all day long, or was it just 86 for like an hour in the afternoon? The rest of the day, it was cold and cloudy. Uh, I don't know. And it's, it's tough for the seed companies to guess. We just kind of go with the best tools we got, but yeah, just putting them out in the field side by side. That's my favorite way to, to let it shake out too. Yeah, I think it's important that you uh, you just got to trust your seed guy he, and ask him. Demand that they are giving you the best information that they, that they can come up with, and I think that makes a big difference. While I was waiting for you to come on the line, I was just studying a bunch of sensor graphs that we have, which kind of helps, you know, figure out DDDs. Um, you know, right now I'm just studying soil temps, but when we get in season, we like to have canopy sensors as well as soil temp and moisture and fertility sensors in the fields where we can it's it's nothing like putting a sensor in the field and really understanding that sometimes all day long it's nice and sunshiny and beautiful in that corn plant it just isn't doing anything yep. and then for some reason it grows all night long and uh and i think if the last few years um here in colorado it's and the panhandle in nebraska it's been been too hot when it's hot and it, it's hard to you know when plants don't respirate um on their normal cycles it it definitely changes the maturity and the way that they act so yeah. it's uh it's just an ongoing battle 
I think the more information we can collect and and pass on to our growers and our friends um, and our colleagues and just keep compiling it so we can all try to make good decisions as they arise. Yeah, I like uh, one part of that that you said, especially where you said share that information with our, our colleagues and, and other farmers around us and other people we're working with so we can all learn. I, I don't think any of us are the, the one person that knows it all or knows the most or whatnot, but if we start comparing notes with others that, hey, here's what I'm seeing, what do you what do you take out of this data and compare a little bit i think we all move forward that much faster so dusty thanks for what you're doing this is this is really cool it's going to be fun to to see what you learn and thanks for taking the time to put a plot in and also for sharing a little bit about what you're doing appreciate it thank you sir you bet good luck let's head over to ohio we got shane with us right now how's it going shane good how are you good what's happening for you guys in ohio Oh, right now it's actually sunny and beautiful. Uh, we're finally starting to get some some heat units out here today versus uh, the cold it's been for the last week and a half. Yeah, yeah, we went through that transition just a few days before you, and it was it was really weird to walk out of the house in the morning with the short sleeve shirt on and be just fine. <laughs> I was like, wait, I don't need yeah. a coat today or a sweatshirt or anything. This is awesome. Yeah, it's also weird to see it getting light out so early. Yeah. Yeah. I like it though. I like that. I like, I like long day length days. It it just, uh, you can get a lot more done. That's for sure. As do I. All right. So how's planting coming in, in Ohio then? If it's just starting to warm up, is it just kind of getting rolling in the fields too? Uh, yeah, here about a week and a half ago, some guys were, uh, kind of pushing the envelope for the area and putting some stuff in the ground before we got wet and cold again. So, you know, it would be interesting to see how that turns out for them. Uh, we personally didn't do any. Um, planted some oats on some organic acres. But uh, other than that, the uh, corn and soybeans are still in the bag. But, uh, yeah, there's a couple of guys on some sandy ground here uh, that got started yesterday. And uh, I see some guys will probably try and push the envelope again tomorrow, I would say, before the rain. Uh, comes in and we'll see how it goes. Uh, I think we'll probably keep everything in the shed. Yeah, it's it's really tough. That rain always makes you a little more jumpy. I know we've got the same thing. We got rain in the forecast, and so we're trying to roll as fast as we can here. But we're we're nice. I mean, like you, it's sunny and beautiful here today, and we're supposed to be, I think, in the seventies all through this week, even though it's supposed to be off and on raining. So we're just trying to get as much done as we can. We get some manure spreading that's going on too, and it's not our rig, but it's going on some of our ground. And I know the manure applicators have said, if it rains a significant amount, we're just done because by the time it dries up, you're not going to want to wait for us. And they're absolutely right about that. We aren't going to want to wait. Yeah, it's kind of how I look at strip till. You know, everybody. I have some guys ask me if I do some strips in the spring and I tell them that they'll want to be in the field about four days before I'll be able to roll a strip tiller in the spring with the culture or with the shank. I mean, right, right. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And, and then again, you know, you might have this, this year that, uh, man, everything just is perfect. And who cares if we got to wait a few days, no big deal. It, it doesn't sound like you're getting one of those though. It sounds like a normal year where it's raining here and there and you got to hustle in between. Yeah, it's. Uh, I got to keep telling myself it's only the fifth of May. We've still got some time here. You know, that's. I was talking about uh, a little frustration we had with one piece of equipment yesterday, and my brother's like, 
Darren, it's still the first week of May. You know, what, what are you worried about? I'm like, wait a minute, who's telling me this? The guy that's usually more <laughs> impatient than me. So it is kind of good to, to talk to other people about that. Yeah, and the older, the wiser, I suppose, right? Well, there you go. You got me on that one. He is a little bit older than me, so maybe maybe that's finally coming into play for him. Well, Shane, uh, I know you guys got a lot going on and, and are probably itching uh, to get out there and things to get better. So hopefully you guys catch the sunshine you need and, and get rolling soon. Yeah, you too. Well, hey, I appreciate the phone call, and we'll talk to you again sometime. You bet. See you, Shane. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. Get what you spray for. Results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. You understand there are ways to boost your yield, but can you do it while reducing your inputs? With Plant Insights, powered by Prospera, you can. With center pivot mounted cameras to monitor crop health, Plant Insights captures thousands of leaf level images with each pivot rotation. Growers receive reports to mitigate issues like pests, weeds, emergence, disease, and more. Put inputs where they matter most. Contact your local Valley dealer today or visit agtechonthefarm.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. CNB, your local John Deere dealer, is committed to helping you in the field. The CNB Support Center brings you machine monitoring, remote diagnostics, and guidance from expert technology specialists all season long. Learn more about what the CNB Support Center can do for you at DeerEquipment.com. From machine storage buildings and farm shops to dependable buildings to house your livestock, regardless of building size or use, Morton has a building for every budget. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. 
You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday, broadcasting from the Morton studio, taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Kansas. we got Kenny on with us right now. How's it going, Kenny? Pretty good. How you doing, Darren? Not too bad. Not too bad. What are things looking like on your farm? Uh, well, we're, we're, we're looking up. We got finally got some rain. Oh, awesome. So... Yeah, you know, that's been pretty hard to drum up around here lately. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it has been for us for the last two years, and I know you guys have been super dry, so I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. That's that's awesome. So you got crop in the ground. Is anything growing out there yet? Uh, we got wheat, wheat in. Uh, I, I decided not to plant corn this year after the disaster. Well, I didn't plant corn last year either, but um, which I'm – very thankful for but um yeah we're we're just kind of got through doing some burn down for burn down pre-emerge for soybeans and then um well i'm working on the sprayer today getting it ready to put some fungicide on the wheat sure Sure. What what did you see out there in the bean field? So you guys have been dry. Do you still see mare's tail and those types of things coming, or or what was anything coming out in the field? Um, not a lot. Um, honestly, we we had um we we broadcasted uh, wheat on most of our open ground that we was gonna put put the wheat or put the beans. So that kind of kept things down i had a oh oddly enough i left ruts in a few fields so about three fields so i i actually dissed those but um the rest of it i'm just burning down and then i left the better looking cover crop weed i'm going to uh bail it for hay because i don't know if we're dry again this year we're definitely gonna need it for the cattle yeah yeah you got to take what you can get and you know you mentioned spraying fungicide on wheat and i i think this is interesting because there's probably some people listening saying man kenny's optimistic they got one rain and he thinks he's going to have uh disease out there or a crop worth protecting is this just normal that you're normally spraying fungicide around this time yes yeah as soon as the weed is pretty much headed out we're my wheat's a little bit behind. I, I like to plant my wheat a little bit late. I know that sounds retarded, but um, I don't get as much foliage growth that way, but I still get my yield. Um, I I like to let it get, you know, pretty much all headed and then, then hit it with some stuff for head scab because that seems to be a problem for us. Uh, even on a dry year, as of last year, we was dry, but this year we're drier than we was last year, um, but we have a tendency to get wet about this time of year. So sure, sure, that's bad news for wheat. Yeah, and there's no rescue, so you gotta you gotta do it. No. You gotta be out front. Um, let me right. ask you another question. What about Milo this year? What do you see for Milo acres going in in Kansas? Um, I I haven't planted Milo myself for a while, but um. I thought about it, you know, because, well, I, I was really contemplating it last week before we got this rain because I was thinking we was going to have failed wheat with a lot of nitrogen out there. So. Yep. Um, but 
I talked to my chemical rep, and with finesse on the ground, he advised not to do that, especially with the lack of rain. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. it's it's tough when you just aren't getting rain. There's so many extra things that a guy has to think about that normally wouldn't be an issue. Oh, and, oh yes. Yeah, you yes. mentioned. We, we, had, uh, we had one field of wheat. Uh, l- luckily, it was just a small field, but we had sprayed it with um, – bean herbicide last summer and never got any rain to break that chemical down or flush it out of the soil or whatever and uh, it it, you could tell where like you'd slowed the sprayer up on the corners maybe where you started the booms and anywhere there was an overlap with the coming back through the field like you didn't have enough um, I don't have individual nozzles shut off on my sprayer. It's just section shut off. But where I had that overlap, the wheat was really dinged by it until oh, we'd gotten a rain. Oh, here a couple of weeks ago, we got an inch of rain. But, I mean, as dry as we are, it was pretty well already gone. Yep, yep. I know my dad said that when he moved from Iowa to South Dakota, he said, uh, I never realized how rain covered up a lot of my mistakes. He said, when you don't get rain, anything you do wrong, you're going to be paying for it. No doubt about that. Well, Kenny, hopefully this rain is the start of good things that you're going to get more rain coming and and we turn I, I hope I hope we get it in moderation. <laughs> well, know, that's the, true. That's... That seems to be the that seems to be the curse anymore. It seems like you're either getting flooded out or you know you don't know when you're going to get your next rain. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's, that's <laughs> it's kind of all or nothing story around here. But yeah, yeah. Well, Kenny, great talking to you today. Really appreciate yep. it, and, and good luck to you here you as, as you roll through the season. Yep, well, thank you. Good luck to you guys up there, too. You bet. appreciate that. Uh, let's head up to Montana. we got Chuck on with us right now. How's it going, Chuck? It's going well, sir. So what's had happening a, up on your had operation? Some sunshine and had some sunshine the, the, the last weekend. Now uh, a little rain showered. And things are greening up like crazy. Awesome, awesome. So, what's the what's the next thing you'll be doing once you can get back out there? We're uh, behind seeding spring wheat and lentils, but okay. there was snow on the ground on our calendar optimum seeding date, so. We took the day off. <laughs> hey, I actually saw, I've, I was watching some uh, footage online from some guys up in Canada, and they were they had snow drifts that were kind of creeping in the edges of the field, and they were running the planter right on through them. So I thought, man, that right. if I tried that, I think I'd freeze everything up. I'd have all kinds of problems, but I think they were just teasing it and went, having fun. It uh, Well, the, the ground went from 35 to about 42 almost overnight it seems like um i was down in houston uh at a world robotics championship uh in the third week of april which is when we generally are seed but we had a great snowstorm here so it was good that i could go 
Oh, no. Now you brought up robotics, Chuck. I, you don't, you probably don't know this, but my sister, Janelle, she is all into robotics. So as soon as she heard that, she just lit up on the other side of the glass here. I might have to let you talk to her a little bit when we're done chatting here today about that robotics. good. Yeah, she, yeah. she her son, uh, her, her older son is, is really into that. And uh, high school on a high school level. So yeah, kind of, kind of fun stuff. It's fun, you know, and I think with a lot of those skills that, that you learn from organizations like that and, and activities like that, I hope a lot of those guys get back into agriculture because we're always looking for innovations to make some of these jobs go better. We are, we, um, actually I work with a couple professors in Montana state who, uh, grew up on a farm and, we're kind of extending their experience um, through my farm, and it's kind of fun. They they've started a precision ag group there, and uh, it, it's it's interesting learning still. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's always so many things to to do on the farm, and I, I just think of all the different things that we've got to be good at or at least competent in. And uh, certainly on the mechanical side, there's a lot of guys that are fantastic out there and doing some great things. And to be able to to tie that in and, and pass some of that on to the next generation is fantastic. Well, Chuck, hey, great talking to you here. Hopefully things warm up for you a little bit. You can catch back up on the wheat and the lentils and, and look forward to talking again down the road. Thanks, Darren. Take care. You bet. Janelle, so call me. Oh, she's she's going to jump online right now, I think, and catch you. <laughs> Robotics is is one of her favorite things to talk about right now. Well, on Ag PhD Radio on Fridays, it's Farmer Friday. So we'll talk about any agronomic topic you want to get into. Again, you can call. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Morton Buildings has served the American farmer for more than 120 years. From manufacturing our own building components to constructing your building, Morton takes pride in being the industry leader in post-frame construction by providing a quality building and exceptional customer service. A Morton is built to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trifold Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. What does it really mean to provide the best crop nutrition? With AgroLiquid, you're getting a one-of-a-kind approach, one that caters to your specific agronomic needs. You're getting a crop nutrition plan that maximizes your fertilizer applications from every drop, all while accounting for your management practices and the products you're already using. But it's not just a product. It's peace of mind, knowing we've thought of everything. That's the AgroLiquid way. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. 
At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Come on in. The Ag PhD mailbag is about to begin. We've reached the Ag PhD mailbag time here on Farmer Friday. That means we're going to dive into your emails. You can email your questions in radio at agphd.com or you can still call us. Our phone lines are open too at 844-44-AG-PHD. And I'll bring Brian back on here a little bit. Brian, uh, we're already getting tar spot questions. It's May, and the tar spot questions are already coming. Uh, this one comes from Gary in Wisconsin. We've actually heard this quite a bit. Uh, Gary said, hey, guys, I need a little help on tar spot. We've been fighting it here for the last few years, and we found a product that really has worked for us, Delaro Complete. Unfortunately, my dealer can't get it. And I'm just finding this out now, so I'm looking around. Other dealers seem to be out as well. What would be a good replacement for Delaro Complete? Have you found other products that are working as well? Oh, yeah. Lots of products working as well. There is, well, let's put it this way. Bayer had an issue with the, uh, the triazole component of that proline. They are short across the United States, so anything that contains proline, there's an issue. Delaro, Delaro Complete, Straight Proline, you name it, all their combos, um, for the most part. Now, as I say that, I, I will just tell you that there are other options so you could get or make the same thing. Uh, so here are a, a couple of choices in what I would suggest you at least consider. Uh, propulse. So Propulse has that same kind of combination. It's got an SDHI, it's, it, it's got um, the ProLine component, and for whatever reason, people have not bought up the, the last the Propulse around the country. So you can either go Stratego Yield plus Propulse, or you could go Propulse plus, let's say, like a generic Quadris or something like that. So either way, you'll be getting the same modes of action, basically the same activity out there, and believe it or not, you're probably going to spend less money, too. So I guess it's really not all bad that Delaro Complete is gone. 
It's just now you're going to have to mix two things together, but when you do that, you can get the same products and spend less money. Now, the other direction you could go is go with some other company's stuff. So BSF is also sold out for the most part of Revitech and Valtima, so that's not going to be an option. But you could do something like what we're doing in our farm, which is Lacento plus Acadia, um, or that's uh, generic Quadris. You could do Preaxor plus Tilt. Um, I, I mean, there is Trivapro, and Miravis Neo is probably a little bit better than Trivapro if you want the Syngenta option. I mean, there are plenty of choices out there that are fine on this. Uh, we were just talking, I was talking to some agronomists just yesterday about uh, Brixen. That's another one. What that is is a combination of Domark and the, uh, the active ingredients is in Quadris. So you got two modes of action there, but believe it or not, the Strabilurin, so that's either Headline or Quadris or anything similar to that, that's actually really good on tar spots. So for most diseases, you don't even want the strobe anymore other than you want it for plant health. But on tar spot, it really adds a lot. So no, I wouldn't worry about it at all. Uh, last thing that I'll leave you with is a lot of people are talking about two applications. And so you could certainly run with one of these things on one trip and another on another trip. So we always find it's good to rotate, but you're only going to get those same three modes of action that are in Delaro Complete almost no matter what you do with anything else. Hey, thanks for the question, Gary. And yeah, I, I love this whole premise of my dealer's out of something or something's in short supply. Can I find an alternative? And in almost every case, there there are some good alternatives. So thanks for asking. And uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling there's going to be some fungicides that are falling by the wayside here and running out of supply as, as one domino falls, then the next one and the next one and the next one. But as Brian mentioned, there's there's quite a few different options for tar spot that are working pretty well. So don't, don't give yep, up. Nothing to worry about. All right, we got a call here from Doug. Uh, wants to talk about emergence and soybeans a little bit. How you doing, Doug? Hi, good. Thanks for taking the time. You bet. Hey, um, just a quick, quick question. Um, I just, uh, I got some emergence issues on my headlands on my beans, and I'm just trying. I did put some uh, two actual pounds of boron on last fall with with my other dry fertilizer, and I'm just wondering if that could be my problem. Um, it's right next to the road, which is odd, so it's like either compaction issue or, you know, maybe it could be a pH issue uh, related to the boron. Do you think there could be any relationship there? Um, I've, you know, I've tested my farms, you know, on grids and stuff, so I'm, I'm in pretty good shape, but next to the road, it could be a higher pH. So I was just wondering if you guys thought there might be any correlation to the boron. It's very possible that that could be it, but honestly, we've had the exact same things happen before, and you see it around the country near the, the driveways in fields, and especially on those right on the end. Um, it's compaction is my, my guess. So that's yeah. probably what's causing the issue because that's what's done it on our farm in the past. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right too. But, I, you know, sometimes I wonder, I think it's, it could be, you know, maybe – a combination where that maybe that boron sure. is moving down through the soil and it hits that compaction layer and and maybe makes it a little more toxic you know um especially it's during possible. emergence but yeah yeah that's what i was kind of yeah, thinking it, too it, it, what yeah it, it it it's possible we just honestly have never seen a lot of boron issues out there 
how high are your calcium mm-hmm. levels? Do you have, and I know I'm asking you a question off your soil test that you probably don't have in yeah. front of you, but the reason why I'm no, asking, no, if no, you no, have more than 2,000 parts per million of, of calcium, you're probably just fine. Yeah, we have 70 to 80% calcium, and yeah, yeah. usually around 2,000. And in that area on the yeah. farm, it, it's pretty good dirt, so I know we have 2,000 pounds of calcium there. Yeah. yeah. I just wondered so, if we had too, yeah, I, too much calcium there, but... You know, I, but I think you're right. It's probably more of a no. compaction issue than it is anything. Yeah, yeah, and so that answers another question that I was going to ask you anyway with this whole calcium deal. So we'll usually talk about compaction as a factor of a number of things, and and you're right. I mean, there's almost never anything on the farm that's caused solely by one issue. So it's probably a 90% compaction, maybe, possibly 10% the boron. I still would, I'm, I'm not super worried about that, but it's possible. But I'll bet you if you went in and kind of ripped that up, replanted that, you'll probably have a decent stand out there. But when we have good calcium levels, like 80%, your soil's a little more porous, and usually it's less likely to compact. But, I mean, when you're driving over it on a regular basis, any soil can compact. Yeah, the the one little field that I did not put boron on, it does seem a little bit better on the emergence at this sure. stage of the game, maybe just a couple of days ahead. So I'll keep an eye on it, but I think you're right. It's probably just a compaction. That's what I'm yeah, hoping. and it might end up coming through field. it too. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm hoping. Yeah, yeah. well, we, should, we might get a rain by Monday, and things could change by then. But, uh, yeah, all right. Well, I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. You bet. You bet. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Doug. Yeah, I was just talking to an agronomist on the way down here about this very issue, not as boron specifically, but just about emergence and that the soil was pretty hard and we, we want to have some rainfall. So actually, Darren, you and I were talking about this even that, I, I mean, there, there are certainly some very dry soils out there and it's always the worst when you've created some compaction because something was a little wet either this spring or last fall or whenever, then it dries out. That's not a great combination. So even a little bit of rain a lot of times will help that. And the big thing we're looking for when it comes to emergence, if it's a little slow, it's not the end of the world. It's just a question of are we when those beans are trying to come up, are the cotyledons, are they, are they breaking? Are the, I mean, if they're breaking off, then we got a real problem. But eventually, hopefully, they push through and everything will be fine. Yeah, it's just important to stay after those things. And, and like for um, for Doug's call here, if you're noticing some things right at the start, maybe it's one field, maybe it's multiple fields, you know, get after it and see what's going on. And if you figure out, hey, I, I got to do something a little bit different or maybe I got to plant a little thicker in areas where I think there might be some crusting or compaction to give those soybeans a little bit more push. I mean, there are a few different strategies that a guy can do. And like you said, Brian, if we catch some rain like a lot of things on the farm rain can make up for for some of the mistakes or some of the challenges that we're facing and getting good emergence it it definitely helps there's no doubt about that so good luck to you doug really hope hope things turn out well for you well another farmer friday in the books lots of stuff still going on and if you didn't get your question in today you can always email us radio at agphd.com we would love to help you out whenever we can Thanks for listening to today's program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.